I'm, uh, hello everybody. Claire, do you want to just request to speak for me? I've just had to run up and down the stairs because I realised I was going to be out of charge. <laughs> so I need to, to catch my breath before we start. Right, let's just check, Gaurav, that you can actually talk to me. Do you want to just unmute yourself and say hello? Hi, uh, Elizabeth. And can I just say that was my big worry, so I charged my phone this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just suddenly realised that, that I have my laptop open, so that I can see the questions and see who I, I need to, to um, invite on. And um, and then all of a sudden I realise, oh, no, it's going to run out before I finish. So, so, yeah, we're all sorted, which is good. And Claire, can I just ask you to say hello and see if um, you can talk to me? Hi, Elizabeth. Hello there. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Good week? yeah, good. Busy. And I've just been having some major technical issues. But yeah, I'm all I'm all sorted now. <laughs> We're all there. <laughs> yeah, <good>. just about. <laughs> been one of those days, I think. <laughs> all right. So anybody that's listening at the minute, we start this at seven o'clock. So there's there's a couple of minutes to go before we, we crack on. Um, I'm hoping that my co-hosts, Ruth and uh, uh, Sabrina, will turn up. See, my brain's not with it. Um, but it looks like we're quite quiet at the moment, so I will see if I can find them. Uh, see if I can invite. No, I can't. I should wait till they come on. All right. So just so that you know, what we do is... Um, ah, hello, Ruth. That's good. Hi there, Ruth. I'm going to try and put you as co-host. Send co-host. Okay, so hopefully, no kidding. Hopefully, you'll be able to to be a co-host. And Sabrina's here. That's good. We're doing well this evening. Sabrina, do you want to? Sorry, yeah, let me say hello to Ruth first. Hi, Ruth. Hi. How are you doing? How are you? Good. Good. I'm. I'm. I'm getting there. This is this is when my this is this is the time that my watch tells me that I'm my I'm not doing any exercise and my beat my heart beats up to 150 beats a minute. <laughs> once I'm once I'm sorted, I'm I'm good. Um, Sabrina, do you want to come on and request to speak, and then I will uh, invite you to be co-host as well, so I have a backup. All right. So while I'm waiting for Sabrina to uh, to request to speak, um, it's just to say that. What I'll do is I'll do a brief introduction. Um, I will um, have us sorted so that, you know, I'll invite you one at a time to say something. If one or other of us is speaking and you want to jump in and have something to say, at the bottom of your screen, there's a, an icon um, that you can put your hand up. Um, I'm just going to make Sabrina a co-host. See if it works this week, Sabrina. <laughs> Uh, there you go let's see okay Annie you're amazing okay let me tell you it's five o'clock in the morning for Annie um just amazing so so thank you so much for, for rocking up and coming along thank you for joining us Emma and Sue um, the way this works is um before I start it is just there's a there's a bit of a chat um, and if you want to join in the conversation towards the end, then then you need to request to speak and I'll bring you in. So I'm going to take a deep breath because I do record this and we crack on 
as if we're starting from fresh. So, good evening, everyone. <laughs> it's Library Staff Love Learning Twitter Spaces. This evening, um, my co-hosts, Ruth Maloney and um, uh, Sabrina Cox and myself, are discussing um, reading. Now, I love this subject. You know, librarians <laughs> themselves love this subject. But over the last few weeks, um, Claire Brumpton, who is one of our guest speakers, um, and I wrote a article about um, reading. And while we were busy creating it, um, Claire wrote down something that, that was along the lines of, it's not called reading for pleasure, it's called reading for recreation. And it just really sort of started the cogs. My, the great thing about writing an article with somebody else is that they make you think about something in a, in a different way. So along those lines, we then wrote this article that is actually called School Libraries and Reading Development. And I hope that you'll be inspired after this wonderful conversation this evening to go along and read it. We're trying to help teachers understand the role of the school librarian in beyond that recreational reading. Um, so we're going to be talking tonight about reading for learning and we're actually going to be talking about reading for life and how school librarians can actually support the edu education and curriculum um, in our schools. So um, without further ado, I'm going to say a quick hello to my two co-hosts. So Ruth, hi, have you had a good week? Yeah, yeah. Not bad so far. Last one, dragging ourselves towards the holidays. So we'll be glad when it arrives. Open days and things this week. So that's the big hurdle to get over. So this is a nice way to start, feel a bit in touch with the profession and not just with school. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. And Sabrina, are you well? Are you with us? Yeah, here. Raring to go. Slightly hyper. <laughs> <laughs> Your voice sounds a bit better this week. Yeah, it goes when I talk too much, so I'll try not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. Right, so well, let's kick off with with going back to what we're thinking about when we're talking about reading. Can I bring Claire in? Because I've already mentioned her. Um, Claire, just introduce yourself a little bit. And, and can you start us off by talking about what you think about recreational reading and why you suggested when we were talking about it that you should call it that. Hi everybody, uh, hi Elizabeth, thank you so much for inviting me. My name is Claire Brampton and I've uh, worked in school libraries for nearly 25 years now. I'm currently the, the, the librarian at the International School of London um, and I've always worked in school libraries in the UK, uh, but I've been uh, I've been working at ISL now for uh, about seven, eight, eight years actually. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm really um, pleased to have the opportunity to talk about this as well. I mean, as as Elizabeth has already said, we've been writing some articles together, and it is really good to write articles with other people because you do start thinking about things and and just talking about things in in different ways. Um, and I started thinking about about the whole reading for pleasure, um, uh, the, the topic of reading for pleasure, and and why it sometimes sits a little bit uncomfortably with me. Um, 
and really I think it's because over the past 20 plus years I've come across so many students who are not natural readers they're not they don't come to me as enthusiastic readers and while I've always looked upon that as as a bit of a challenge um because obviously I feel that one of my roles in in any school environment is to is to is to enthuse students about reading but so much in schools is, is around reading for pleasure. And what about those students that don't find it pleasurable? You know, what, what do they get out of it? And do they, do they come to the library lesson or to English lessons or anywhere where reading is expected of them and immediately feel excluded? So the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, what, what you really need to do is to get students into reading by focusing on, on them, on, on their interests. It starts with them. It starts with what, what, you know, what, they're, what they're keen on and what they already have knowledge of. And um, so really that was, that was the starting point of, of my thought about this. And then I thought, well, it's, it's about recreational reading, isn't it? It's about whatever the student is interested in. So when you're having a one-to-one conversation with a student where you're trying to find them a book, it's about having that conversation of, oh, you're interested in dinosaurs or space or coding or whatever it might be. Let's see if we can find something about that. So instead of approaching it from the reading perspective, you're approaching it from the from the, the thing that interests them, from that perspective instead. Absolutely. And I think that that's, that's what really interested me about this thought process was the fact that, that we do I, I have you know when I did work in the school I did, was definitely very conscious of the fact that we were sort of looking at what the students hobbies were and 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 you know likes and dislikes but this is this for me feels just slightly different it feels like there's a an opportunity or a bigger opportunity to hook students in in a way that you're not insisting that they read for pleasure yes and that they have to enjoy it it's about, like you say, finding that book that that is maybe about I don't know uh, the Arctic because they're yes. they're interested in snowmen and and um, do, do you know sort of those kind of snowmen? What a stupid thing to say! I meant what do you get? What are the bears? Polar bears? That would have been a better thing. To say. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell this is life, but yeah, it's it's about the fact that you've managed, you know, there is a book on your library shelf or there's a website in your armory of resources that you can hopefully guide them to in order to be able to get them to read something. And that's what this is all about, isn't it? Yes, I think so. And and I think, you know, sometimes it's it's the it's the idea or sort of reading that might put a student off. So if you if you approach it from the other end from the topic, from the thing that they love, from the thing they feel passionate about, the reading becomes the incidental part of it. So you're still getting the students to read, but it's it's almost that reverse psychology. I'm not going to ask you to read. I'm going to ask you what you're interested in, and then I'm going to find something that interests you. You know, so I think, you know, a little bit of it maybe is just a little bit of of psychology and playing on words, but it does feel, as you say, that little bit different to you are going to read and you are going to enjoy it because, you know, I can't take that for granted with, with each of my students. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's about, it's about being there for everybody, isn't it? That the, it is. Really, you know, fast-paced kids that really want to read every, devour every book that you've got on your shelves and you can't get enough books in for them, right down to those students that 
struggle um and we have a job to you know a, a part of the role is to make sure that you are you are servicing for everybody Yes. Yeah. And and also, I think, you know, those those students who already love reading, you know, most of my job is already done with them before before they even come into the library because they 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 will find that they'll find their own way there. Yeah. And and they already know what they like. Maybe I can extend it. Maybe I can introduce them to a new author or a new genre or I can I can extend what they already do. But in terms of the um, in terms of the, the the more reluctant readers or those who will just say quite quite you know be be quite open and say I just don't like reading it's not for me I can say to them great you've set me a challenge but at the same time you know I have to respect the fact that they might never be a reader but if I can get them reading something along the way without being too resistant to it by getting in via you know a, a different direction then then it's worth doing you know and, and I think you know in some ways that's that's the that's one of the biggest challenges but also one of the most enjoyable parts of the job when you do find something that a reluctant reader will read absolutely oh I'm just I was just muting myself that wasn't very clever was it <laughs> I would just want to bring um Gorov in because he has he's coming from a completely different perspective and I love it when we manage to get somebody who's not a librarian onto some one of these chats so Gorov can you just please introduce yourself first and then I'll ask you a question yeah no um yeah I'm Gorov um Dubai I am first and foremost an English teacher in a secondary school but um I'm also the head of English because I like to punish myself um, and um, I also lead English across my foundation as well um, and yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying the conversation some of the things that Claire has said so far really got me thinking thinking a lot about how reading for pleasure reading for recreation is kind of viewed so um, thanks for having me um, this, this um, space. yeah I'm gonna say I'm delighted that you that you that you're with us um so, so as far as you as an English teacher is, are concerned, obviously I would imagine you have got um, set, text, set text that that students need to read. Do you do you have a role where you and I'm really going off topic slightly, but do you have regular reading lessons in your school? So, so is there a drop it and read fifteen minutes or a you know. Um, you know, time when some of your students have to go to the library. Is there anything like that in, in your school at the moment, Gaurav? The answer to that is yes. We do have those kind of opportunities to, to go to the library. The library actually in our school is the most visited visited space in the school. We have seven chil- 700 children visiting the, the library every day. So I, I think that's a, a big sort of success. Wow, um, busy library. It's very busy library. Um um, but, you know, it's um, not just during lesson times, it's, it's during those social times as well, um, you know, at break time and at lunch time. And I think those kind of parts of the day are sort of taken for granted um, because it becomes a, a social place for children to sort of talk about books and just have a conversation um, about some of the books that they're reading. Um, you know, and I think that's a, an, an opportunity that's, you know, often missed but also at key stage three we have um um a reading lesson each week 
um, which we have in our reading room, which is a, a, a book with bean bags, um, a place where children just get to to read and to to sort of chill. I guess is is the best way to talk, uh, best way to explain it. But it always has the opportunity for book talk. Um, so we always build in that, those sort of 15, 20 minutes where we just talk about the books that we're reading and recommend different books. And I honestly think that's far greater than any intervention that I've ever put in place to try and force children to read. Um, Absolutely. So. And I would so agree with you. I think it is. It is I, I'm sure I've read somewhere, maybe somebody can can remind me of what it was, but, but somewhere I read that even a, a school that has that where children are surrounded by books it's almost like osmosis that that they are tempted to pick them up and 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 flick through them and actually that's what part of of what we're providing as a as a school library um you know giving children access to the books and therefore access to that ability to be able to chat about what they've, they've been reading i think some of the best conversations i've ever had about reading is usually about a book that i really hated or disliked <laughs> <laughs> and and at the end realizing that because i've discussed it i've i've actually enjoyed it more than i thought i did um and that's what book talks can can actually do for you and i'm sure that that's what they do for children as well absolutely i actually think that book talk can become a really heated um can you can end up having some very heated discussions so we had some one student who'd read of mice and men and you know you know there's a lot of um controversy around of mice and men and you know in the current climate and he absolutely loved it and really really enjoyed it and another student really got quite um angry when they read that particular book that anger really opened up a lot of conversation about language and, and the power of language and it, it was so much more than just the about the book it was about experiences that they've uh, you know had to deal with and the children almost having to empathize and feel that sort of pathos for, for each other um so you know for me i think it's really really important beyond just the book if that absolutely. makes sense absolutely no what a great point i'm going to just bring ruth in at the minute um ruth have you got um what do you think about recreational reading as opposed to reading for pleasure yeah i think it's an interesting idea we do um our year sevens have a compulsory, well, it's slightly complicated, but one of their six English lessons is a reading lesson every fortnight. And they come in and they're working through what we call a reading challenge. But with our students there, we do have non-readers or reluctant readers, but by and large, they're quite a you know literary bunch. But what I say to them is I'm always trying to expand their reading and trying to encourage them to read different things. So the challenge encompasses everything from graphic novels to newspapers to websites to poet collections of poetry. And I say to them, even if you think you're an amazing reader, you know, there will be things out there that aren't your cup of tea and it's about expanding. And I kind of use that approach to hopefully draw in the people who think that they're not readers um but who might discover that actually the thing they do every day which is read the newspaper on the train into school still counts as reading for me so it's the same sort of thing i suppose that claire's thinking about and talking about it's just a slightly different approach to it because of the kind of students we have um we do have ones who say, I don't read, I'm not a reader, but not very many. Um, and I entirely agree. The 
best with Gaurav that the best um I think the best way to encourage the kids to read is for them to talk about what they're reading and what they like and what they didn't like. And and I love those conversations. And they're always the brilliant start of year seven, you know, or a change of group in year nine when they're in a different group of people and they can share new, you know, they can learn about new people. Um, far, far better. I mean, some kids love to come and ask for a recommendation, but I love to hear them recommend. And I love it when they talk about something that I really didn't enjoy. All the teenage murder stuff that reading at the moment, I just can't get on with it. And I'm very happy to say, I think I'm too old for that. And that's brilliant. <laughs> I think, I think it's so true. I think, I think, you know, definitely peer to peer reviews are, are the best without, without a doubt. I'm just going to bring Sabrina back in. Is what's it like in your school? Are you are you is it the same? Do you have you know what is reading like? Give us a give us an overview. Um, it's it's very much like Ruth was saying. Actually, I've got obviously the readers that I don't need to do anything with, and I just keep throwing new books at them, and they just lap them up. And then I've got the ones right down the other end who like hate reading and won't touch a book. So this year, I've been pushing that you know, like exactly what Ruth was saying, that you don't have to read a book to be reading. You can read a newspaper, you can read the, the web, uh, you can read blogs, you can read graphic novels, you can read comics. And you're just expanding what's out there that classes as reading. And I, I am using the reading for pleasure and interest at the moment. But I have to say, I do like this word recreation. That sounds pretty cool. Um, and I, I do want to encourage book talk in my classes but I seem to be faced with groups of students who are almost terrified to express an opinion. So I'm working on that first to then bring in the book talk. But that's, yeah, it's it's very similar. That's so interesting, though, because I think that that we do have a lot of students who aren't willing to an, express an opinion. Um, it, it's a bit like when we were I was um, teaching inquiry and and we would read something and, and you'd ask them how they felt about something <laughs> and, and just shocked faces that they actually had to think how they felt, do you know, why would they feel anything? Uh, and it is, it's a, it's a, it's a skill that they have to learn. So actually being able to understand that you can have an opinion about something and it doesn't matter that it's not the same as the person sitting next to you, it, you're, it, it's all right and and yeah it's interesting Sabrina that you've that that you've sort of uh, hit on something that your students actually need nurturing and you know if you can give them that what a great um step forward you know to make them confident about speaking their opinions about a book that they've read is is quite a safe environment to be having an opinion on something I think is a great starting point um so I just want to go on because we've done recreational reading. I just want to go on to to reading for learning. So reading for learning is is particularly something that I love as a school librarian. All right, all right. I, um, I have to admit I'm not currently a school librarian. I'm a trainer, but but when I worked in school libraries and and when I train teachers and school librarians about what we're trying to do, I definitely think that that reading for learning is a big thing that um, school librarians need to be part of 
Um, but but what does that actually mean? And I think actually there's a crossover between what we've been talking about recreational reading and reading for learning. So reading for learning initially to me means reading for the curriculum, reading for your subject knowledge, reading to understand the information that you are getting and acquiring. But actually we've sort of touched on the fact that recreational reading can also be newspapers and and you know different things that actually that's reading for learning so so you know recreational reading and reading for learning can be the same thing depending on what they read um gorav do you within your subject um obviously there is a lot of reading for learning um how do you encourage your students to to think deeper so do that you know what we were just saying is the fact that we you know students don't like to voice an opinion do you find that that is part of the problem with your students or do you think that you know is it something more or something less than that it's it's definitely a problem um actually um having students being able to voice opinions i mean there are some students who are more capable than others um, but really, we have to, in the classroom setting, give our students sentence starters and, and really model for them how they um, can give an opinion. And um, I gave a talk recently in Manchester about this sort of very issue that our children come from backgrounds where they're not allowed to have an opinion at home. Um, and, um, you know, to the point where their future husbands or their future wives will be decided for them sort of thing. Um, and actually that, that being able to have an opinion and being able to voice an opinion about a book or, or what they're learning in the classroom for, for that matter is is a really, really important one for us. And, um, you know, it's a role that obviously we play in the classroom that we, we, we have to think about and what our librarians do in terms of the, the book groups, et cetera, that they, that they put on. Um, but for us, yes, we have to, we have to really model it um, really quite explicitly for some how, how you talk about and how you have an opinion, but 99% um, of the students that we have will be able to, as they go through school, be able to form an opinion based on, on, on what they're, you know, on their reading, um, and also to use wider reading, like stuff from the British Library and, and things like that to help inform their understanding of texts as well. So. Um, it's a really good question, but, uh, you know, I think people often think that our children are very sort of confident in giving their opinions and their, and, and their views, but actually they're, they're not. They're, they're good at giving the opinions and views of, of their parents or, or of other adults around them. And actually that re reading um, connects so closely with with that sort of social aspect of talking and, and, and being able to uh, you know, talk, and, and I think that's the importance of reading for recreation. Recreation is both a isolate, isolated, uh, you know, something you do in isolation, but also something you do socially, and it's the same with reading for learning as well. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I just muted myself again. I'm having a problem with my mute button. I think it's a really fascinating thing that actually reading for learning, reading for recreation can bring out something that allows our children our students to voice opinions 
in a safe environment. And I think, you know, school libraries provide that that opportunity where maybe you're not in a classroom where you're you're you know sometimes in a classroom setting you know there is that peer pressure that actually you're going to I can remember as a child myself it wasn't that I didn't know the answer or I didn't have an opinion I didn't want to voice my opinion because I was scared what other people what the other students would think of me or think that what I was saying was stupid or daft and laugh at me and and I think that that's where our school libraries can come in especially for those students where you can nurture and give them those resources that they need while giving them a platform to be able to say what they think I think we've, we're almost <laughs> sounds to me like there's another Twitter spaces chat all just on that I think um can I bring Claire back in what do you think about reading for learning and 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 what we've been talking about like obviously we're talking about the fact that that students need to be empowered to be able to voice an opinion but does reading for learning have something more that we need to give I think it does, yeah. But I, th- but I also think go- going back to the um, the issue of of voicing opinions, that is a real problem. In you know, it's something that I've seen over the years in some schools, in some school settings more than others. Um, the experience I've got at the moment is that uh, the school I'm in right now, it, it's it's an IB school, um, and the IB very much. Um, is is uh, the the way that it's delivered? It's very student led. So children, even the youngest at three, are expected to have opinions on things. Um, so that's very much the environment that the students are in, and it's very much the environment that that they're encouraged to to, to speak to speak up in in classrooms, in the playground, in the library, sort of everywhere. Um, but one of the one of the issues with the voicing opinions that I found. Um, is we have a huge multilingual and multicultural um, uh, uh, cohort of students. I mean, at, at any one time, we've got 40 or 50 um, countries represented within the school, just within the student population, plus that of the staff. Um, obviously, many of our students are multilingual, and but many of them are not yet confident in English. So... We've got this joint problem of not knowing when when a student isn't isn't able or that seems reluctant to voice an opinion, whether it's because of because they don't feel comfortable have, voicing an opinion for cultural reasons, or whether it's because they don't have the words. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I, I think yeah, you know, as we become more multicultural. Um, with people coming into the country I think you know we, we have to be more aware of that don't we can I bring Ruth back in yes yeah I was just um, thinking about what you were saying about voicing opinions um, and the kind of it's not really the, the counter argument to that but one of the things that I'm very um, bound up with in our school is trying to encourage the students to think for themselves before they voice their opinion and I have up in the library and on the screens around school a Fran Leibovitz quote which is think before you speak and read before you think Um, because I am wholehearted I mean I hold the world in horror when I hear students get on a bandwagon usually in our school about J.K. Rowling or similar, um, and whether that, you know, whether those people ought to be allowed to speak ever again. And and it's that, 
you know, while I very, very much want them to have an opinion, I want our students to have a considered opinion and I want it to be their opinion. And it was what Gurav said about it's very easy for them to voice the opinions of adults around them or the Twitter sphere or whatever TikTok has its opinion about. But what I think is really important and what we can do is encourage them to have opinions of their own that they have carefully considered. And I think one of the ways I try and do that is by buying what might appear to be quite controversial books um, so that they are in the library and and they open a conversation, I think. Um, and and that's that's a for my in my world, that's reading for learning, you know, reading and really thinking about what it is and what it's what your opinion is about what you've read. I think that that's such an important thing. And I think, Ruth, you need to share that quote with us um, on Twitter. So make sure you uh, I'll, the hashtag. <laughs> I will. I'll find it. Yeah. I think we'll all be looking for that afterwards. Um, I just want to pause there a second. If anybody is listening and they feel as if they would like to join in this conversation, we're going to move on to um, reading for life. Um, but if you'd like to join in the conversation at any point and you're on your phone, um, just request to speak and I will bring you in and invite you to 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 say whatever you're thinking. Um, you are very, very welcome to, to sit, just to sit and listen. But the, but to come and join us is, a, is an opportunity as well. So I'm going to pause a second and change the conversation because once again, I'm going to bring Claire back into this because writing this article, she again mentioned reading for life. And I was like... Okay, so we're talking about, you know, the newspapers and and um, uh, you know, reading the whatever it is on the back of the cereal packet and and those kind of things. And actually, she changed it the way that I think about reading for life and came up in within the article. So you can reread it um, at some point or read it for the first time at some point. But she came up with a really good. Um, example of a lesson that she taught with students who were reluctant and it was it was the hook of reading for life i wonder if claire if you could come back in and just talk about what you were doing with these students yes of course so this was uh, actually many years ago in a in a different school in a very very different context it was it was quite a challenging environment and um we had a lot of non-readers in the school and I, I happen to have quite a good relationship with a lot of the students. So they would speak to me and they would, you know, tell me what they didn't like or what they what they couldn't do. Or but but I get, getting them to read was something that I didn't think was was ever really going to happen. I, I did have some breakthroughs with some students, some, some individual students. But, you know, for the for the classes that would come in and, you know, were battling through trying to read, many of them had quite low literacy levels as well. And I think that had quite a big bearing on on their perceptions of reading and also came from families where there were low levels of literacy. So I just got got talking to them and, and much of this actually came out of a conversation with the students, um, which is sometimes where I get my best ideas. I've got to say they do sort of inspire me sort of mid conversation. Um and I just got talking to them about what they thought they might need in their future. Um, and it, it sort of, the, the conversation sort of sort of went on and it actually developed into a series of lessons where we talked about 
what sort of reading and what sort of sort of literacy they were going to need in their future. So it might be things like how to fill in a form. You know, if they if they needed to claim child benefit in the future, they probably were going to have to fill in a form to be able to claim it. Or if they were going to be claiming tax credits or if they needed, if you know, if they're on a tight budget and they need, really needed to plan their 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 meals for the week, um, you know, they'd need to read. Maybe they'd need to read some recipe books if they needed to sort of develop some new some 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 new ideas of of meals to cook. Or you know, these are the these are the ingredients I've got. What can I do with them? Or you know, if they wanted to learn to drive, they were going to have to do the theory test of the highway code. So they were going to have to read the highway code in some shape or form um, and understand it enough to be able to answer the theory questions. So it was it was all of those sorts of things. It was the practical day to day reading, which was nothing to do with curling up in a corner with a book. And it was more to do with at some point in, in your life, you're going to need to use these reading skills to be able to just get through the day. Um and yeah, and that that's really sort of that was the inspiration for it. And so we we spent a series of lessons where we were looking at things like the highway code and where we were looking at things like writing a meal plan for a week and using you know draw, drawing on recipe books, um, ideas from recipe books, or maybe um, you know going on supermarket websites to price things up. And it was it was all of those sorts of things, and it was actually really successful. And it did get the students to understand that reading was something that that was for them but maybe not in the conventional ways that we would have that certainly that I would have thought of before and it it gave them a sort of a it gave them it gave them an in to to reading just just for practical purposes so maybe you know maybe they were never going to curl up with a book but but they were able to read enough to be able to do the things that they were going to need to do as adults. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that that's the thing, isn't it? We are trying to bring through our schools students who are literate. Um, If you leave school without being able to read, without being able to, um, well, without being able to read, you you are at a real serious... um, lost you're you're not as is in a great position as somebody who can read um so if we can do absolutely anything that we can in order to help those students in any way that we can it, it it's a it's a step forward and i i was just what a great idea claire <laughs> you know i i sat there when we when we discussed it i sat there thinking why didn't i ever think of that you know it's like, and i can i can visualize some of the students that that reading the highway code and practicing those would have been a winner you know so so I hope anybody who's listening who has got those really difficult students who aren't reading anything in any way shape or form those kind of things are really really important and and are easy wins you know our students are wanting to go on holiday they need to get onto the website they need to read their destinations they need to read where they're going how long their plane is going to take to get there you know, do they need to get a bus on the other end? How are they going to get to the hotel? What does the hotel have? Do you know, it's just a, such a simple but genuinely great idea, Claire. I love it. <laughs> um, I'm going to go. So again, just put it out there. If anybody does want to join in, just click that request to speak. I'm going to move on to um, how do we keep our reading lessons fresh? 
So we've talked about recreational reading and and how we can do those those um, one-off lessons. We can have those students in the library. But does there is there any other ideas that that if you have your students in the in the library once a week, what is it that we do in order to you know is it enough? just to give them 20 minutes quiet reading and 10 minutes to change a book? Or does it have to be more than that? Sabrina, can I bring you in there? Okay. <laughs> throw, throw that one at you. What do you think? Thanks so much. <laughs> um, it, actually, it's really interesting because we've just moved away from the half an hour reading, half an hour comprehension work because we just found we were battling with students who couldn't read for 20 minutes. They just, I mean, they couldn't manage two minutes, let alone 20. So I've moved away from that for now. And I'm just encouraging interest in like literature and language and pop culture, as well as doing the research and the digital literacy side of things. So today I exposed my year sevens to The Raven. And me and the teacher, we read the whole poem out between us together. Uh, and they followed a copy along in front of them. And I had a list of things up for them to listen out for as we read it. And then I showed them the Simpsons adaptation of it, which, I mean, they were so excited about that. It was brilliant. And for me at the moment, it's just a case of sparking interest in all sorts of language-based texts, whether that's fiction or nonfiction at the moment. Absolutely. It's yeah. really, it, it is important to, to keep you know, changing it up to, to do so, especially if you have them on a weekly basis, it, it you know, it certainly needs to be, um, yeah, you want to keep them on their toes. You want to just give them something else. Um, Ruth, what about you? What do you do to keep your reading lessons fresh? Do you have reading lessons? Yeah, we do. Um, and I feel really um, slightly uncomfortable in saying that we are fortunate to have the kind of kids or unfortunate to have the kind of kids who just sit and read mostly for an hour. Um, and, you know, and I say to the staff that they have to come in and they have to read as well for that hour, which is actually funnily enough more difficult because the staff want to be marking or doing something else. Um, but I say to them, you know, it's all about modelling. Um, <laughs> uh, and so we do they by and large they sit and read they're only fortnightly um but we then you know they're, they're broken up with a bit of talk a bit of general sharing who's reading what and they're working on their reading challenges so every now and then they will need the laptop because the reading challenge is based on a one note book and they have to answer various questions or they have to record a video or whatever it is that the challenge is to do um so we don't have that kind of, you know, I, I it, yeah, it's just a very particular. You're just, you're just lucky, Ruth, yeah. I'm afraid I am. Well, I think it's lucky, yeah. Although it isn't very challenging in that way. You know, the, the challenge, I can pretty much find something for the kids to read. The most yeah. challenging ones are the ones who only want to read graphic novels well that's still fine by me absolutely, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Gaurav can I bring you back in do you do your students have regular reading lessons like we've been talking about or not 
Yes, I do. Um, but um, one of the things that the, our, re our reading lessons are not—they're not—they're not about quiet. They're not really about silence. They are deliberately um, a social experience because that's what our, our students, in in my context, they need—they need that opportunity to talk. Um, you know, so so we, and and it's not about changing books either. It's a, it's. For us, it's more about agency and giving giving students the opportunities to to choose books that they're interested in. I'm 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 with with everybody here. Um, but you know, it's got to be about the books that that they're interested in. Um, it's got to be about something that, that that's going to hook them. Um, you know, I don't care about the reading ages so much as I do about the fact that they're having an enjoyable, as an enjoyable experience as they can. And if you know they're not. Um, you know, we don't always read books and find it enjoyable, um, but um, you know, sometimes it's okay to be angry or feel a different emotion other than joy when you're reading. Um, but, so, but can I just ask, Laura, do they do they come along yeah. to these sessions expecting to be stimulated, or to or do these conversations just happen by osmosis, or or do you do you give them a hook? Do you how do you start it off, or 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 do they know that when they go for their reading lesson that that this is the setup this is how it works well they know to be honest to to start off with that there there is like a specific sort of routine so they will come in um to um our um, reading room and they will begin reading in silence and that's that that's when the teacher sort of radiates um and the purpose of the radiating is not to um isn't is for the teacher to talk to particular students about the books that they're reading um, and then the teacher will look at you know what what's there the co commonality and, and use that to spark the discussion to spark the um, conversation about books it's, it's, it's a very sort of organic experience as well um, and I forgot to mention actually we, we we make sure that we buy new books about you know three or four new books every every month um, and those you know part of my teacher CPD is to read those books and to then share what they enjoyed what they hated about the book and um, you, you know that sort of thing and it, it is a mixture of um, graphic novels fiction non-fiction picture books our, our kids adore picture books and so do I to be fair so um, oh, you know absolutely it, I, I think picture books have a real role to play in for older students um yeah. one of some of my my best sessions were when we were looking at the greenaway uh, book award with teenagers and trying to get them to understand that actually a picture book even if it's a you know for a young young child needs to be engaging for a parent who's the person that's going to be reading it to that child um you know what it's like i've got a um 18 month old grandson who who actually likes to read the same book 20 times well it's great it's bad enough reading it 20 times anyway but but if it was a really boring book it would be even worse so so do you know we, it, it's fascinating reading you know picture books with with older students because they certainly get a lot more out of it than you would expect them to I think Ruth can I bring you back in yeah, just thinking about picture books, um, one of the really interesting things that we often talk about is writing a particular, about a particular topic for that audience. So one of the ones that was nominated for the Greenaway last year or the year before was No Money Day, about, you know, a 
a child whose mother goes to the food bank and there isn't any, you know, goes to the cupboards, no food in the cupboard. And they're really, really interesting conversations about how do you write that kind of content for that age of child and make it appropriate. And things like, you know, that then that leads on to books about the war, you know, John Boyne's Boy in the Striped Pyjamas. How do you write that age-appropriate material? Those are really, really interesting conversations. Actually, more interesting for me, I think, than whether you liked or disliked the book. But what is it about those books? And brilliant with with picture books because they're so sparse. And when they rhyme as well, you're go. That's a double win, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I think one of the things that I love with books is that. Um, there's a there's an activity where you can you can do what was the build up to the beginning of this story and and what was happening and when a book finishes it doesn't always finish um, neatly does it books sometimes leave you with a oh okay is there a, is there another one in the series coming so a great lesson is is talking to students about okay so what do we think is going to happen next if you were going to rewrite if you were going to write the beginning of the next chapter book the next book what where would it go what would it start with so books just they can just offer so much can't they from from the simplest of hooks to to something that is really expansive and and bring in such a lot of detail and and information for our students um i think well i think they're great <laughs> um thank you sabrina <laughs> okay so I think I have run through all of my questions this evening. So I'm going to bring it to a close. What I do need to say is that Library Staff Love Learning is run by myself and Ruth and Sabrina. We get together regularly to decide what our topics are going to be and how we are going to move it forward. If anybody is listening and you know, wants to be more involved or can think of a topic that they really think that we should write talk about, then please get in touch. We're more than happy to um, to take um, advice from people. Uh, the other thing is, is that I run a membership for schools and uh, teachers to learn how to integrate your school library into the curriculum. Um, it's something that I'm really passionate about. I think it's really important and conversations with teachers is hugely essential as our school libraries, you know, begin to close because it, you know, people don't understand what it is that they can do. So please get in touch if you want to know more about that. We are meeting again after half term on the 7th of November. I will um, let you know <laughs> what's coming up when I know myself. We haven't quite decided yet. Um, so I want to just finish this off with giving my speakers and my co-hosts an opportunity to say one last thing. Do you know, what is it um, about recreational reading, reading for learning or reading for life that your school libraries bring to, to the educational process of your school? Big question. Um, but do you have a final thing to say? Let's start with Claire. Uh, I think one of the things that I would say is is one of my uh, passions, I suppose, um, 
in my role is just bringing new literature to to the students. Um, I, I've worked with so many teachers over the years who are, you know, they're really passionate about reading and really keen to get their kids reading in school. But th- that knowledge of recently published literature and and you know th- and trends in literature. It's something that I feel I really, uh, I, I try my hardest to keep up with myself. Uh, it's sometimes easier said than done. But I do think that that is one of the roles that a librarian can bring really effectively to a school and to the benefit of everybody, both staff and students. I think the number of, of staff that have come to me and said, thank you for giving me an alternative to something I've been using for the last 15 years. Um, you know, and, and students love it. And also trying to involve them in in the choice of literature. So I've always got a suggestion box. I've always got different ways of students to recommend new books to me because there are things that they know about that I've got no idea about, and they know what's trending and I don't. And you know, so I try and involve them as well. They're my two sort of things that I love doing in terms of reading more than anything else. Absolutely. Thank, thank you. That was that was great. And thank you for joining us this evening. Gaurav, thank you for having I, me. <laughs> can I bring you in, Gaurav, for one last final thing? Sure, yeah. Um, I think I'm actually going to say what librarians offer staff. Um, I think, uh, um, speaking as a teacher, they're, they're an invaluable resource for us. And, and I've said it before, and I've, I've written about it before, that their knowledge, their expertise is something that schools desperately need right now um probably more than any other time and when we're talking about reading for recreation or learning or for life that this this is what our librarians offer our schools and offer us um and uh, offer our staff and at a time when things are looking a bit sort of rotten in the world we, we need that expertise and we need school libraries to not close actually we need that we need more of them just so that children are given that opportunity teachers are given that opportunity to 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 really think about the importance of reading and you know really having that skill set outside of school as well absolutely thank you so much Gaurav for being such a supporter <laughs> it's um we met we met on a podcast that that you run is that are you still doing that um, yes, although I haven't done it for a, a while now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's am- it's amazing. If you if you manage to get somebody to do a favour for you, you always get them back. So so thank you for doing that this evening for me, Gaurav. It's it was much appreciated. Um, no, we sorry, enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth and Sabrina. Have you got any final words that you'd like to to finish off with this evening, or are you happy to to bow out? I think I agree with what everyone else has said. Really. Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Um, If anybody wants to know anything more about what we do, um, uh, elizabethahutchinson.com is my website. Get in touch um, and we will see you after half term. Make sure you, you know, if you're if you're getting through the week, that this week goes well for you. And um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks time. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you for your time. Good evening. Oh, bye, Annie. You can go back to bed now. (laughs) Take care. Bye.